Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss shark movies. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Anthony. And this is James. We're going to take a dive into the ocean and do some shark movies today. We'll do like pretty much our favorite or the best shark movies in general. There's really only one great shark movie <laughs> ever that's been made. And there's some decent attempts and there's those fun, terrible, stupid shark movies that are just so fun to watch. We're going to cover a little bit of all of them. We were inspired by Shark Week, which we uh, just finished up recently. And we love sharks. We think they're such amazing animals and always were obsessed with them as kids. And like you said... There aren't many good shark movies in total. Uh, you, there's probably a handful of good ones, and Jaws is the only masterpiece in the genre. It's the only great movie. Yeah, like, it, not even just if you out of the category of just what's a masterpiece. Yeah, there are really no other good shark movies. Although there's a movie called Crawl. It doesn't count for this list because it's an alligator or a crocodile, whichever one. And it is legit like a great monster movie. With then a, why would you even bring it up? It has nothing to do with sharks. Because it, it lives in the water. Yeah, well, might as well talk about Lake Placid now. I wish... Oh, we could do the whole... Ep- anacondas. Now oh, this reptile this episode. This isn't even a shark episode anymore. Guys, reptile episode coming your way That'd be soon. pretty good. That'd yeah. be pretty good. Because Jurassic Park can be in it. It's true. Anyways, let's get back to sharks, bro. Sharks. Sharks. So... We chose um, five movies, I think, and then plus one for fun. So we have Jaws. Deep Blue Sea, The Shallows, Open Water, The Meg, and Sharknado for fun. So those are our list of shark movies that we're going to be talking about today. And I think this is just going to be a lot of fun. We were just on vacation. We're coming back. Let's let's keep it light and entertaining. And, and this is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking a lot of crap about a lot of these movies because they're, they're mostly terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make a, a, a compelling story about a shark. You know what I mean? I think Jaws is pretty much the limit you have in terms of like something that seems plausible. Whereas The Meg, obviously, it's ridiculous gigantic but in a good way um and also open water you could say is the most believable but um that movie was a, a stunning success for its low but low budget nature and uh, how how simple the story is but it it depends like the monster movie i think that sharks in general obviously not the most popular in the genre but they definitely get that scare effect if it's done well yeah and it's kind of been milked as much as it could by studios and i'm sure we're going to see a meg a volume 2 or whatever because that movie made like 550 million dollars which is crazy the on meg vs godzilla on a 130 million dollar budget so i'm sure they'll make a sequel to that because it was so successful but again it's, it's hard to make like you said a great shark movie because the practical effects what that they did in Jaws, it was like a happy accident that it worked so geniusly because we'll talk about during the when we get into the movie that, you know, the shark kept breaking down. Bruce was breaking down and Bruce too were breaking down constantly. So that was that forced them to show as little of the shark as possible and it was a happy accident. It was the best part of the movie because it built all the suspense. But the rest of these movies either use completely CGI sharks or a combination of CGI and practical sharks, like Deep Blue Sea. And you also have to come up with reasons for the shark to be involved in the story with the characters so it needs to be a specific reason because they're in the water so the characters need to for some reason be in the water and oftentimes it's kind of hard to write a good story with that setup you know what i mean yeah you have to put the 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 characters in their environment to either be safe in at first and then just be completely consumed by the environment of the water and the deep ocean or like you said how how do you make a shark motivated to kill humans when generally they aren't and also sharks generally don't like to eat humans they will if they're uh, mistaking a human being for an animal that they like to feed on. And apparently, I saw this crazy video online where we don't know it, but there are a lot more sharks near beaches than we believe. And 
they're constantly swimming through on their on their journeys, um, whatever direction they're going in. Uh, they ju- they tend to leave humans alone because they don't see them as a food. They don't like the way they th- that we taste. And uh, oftentimes, I think we might be too large for them in terms of prey. Well, I wouldn't say that we're too large for them because they eat all sorts of big, large fish. Oh, yeah, fish. and they, they take chunks out of animals. Yeah, yeah so, so I think it's just if people knew how many sharks were near beaches, every time they go to the beach, they probably wouldn't go to the beach anymore. Yeah. But you're fine. They're not going to come to the shallow end. They don't like the warm water. And again, they're not really attracted to our movements completely the way humans move in the, in the water. Really, the only time where they're really attacking humans by accident is when they see a surfer because the shape of a surfer, like a a human being on a surfboard from a shark's perspective under the water looks exactly like a seal. You know, a large, like obtuse round object with like four flailing limbs looks exactly like a seal, which is their their favorite prey. That's a great point. So they're not really going after humans. I actually have shark statistics if we could go over them real quick. I would love to hear So them. the shark species has what? been around for about 455 million years. And the megalodon actually from the meg was real, but that's extinct now because there's no large prey for it to consume. So it died out to, it didn't have enough calories to intake. But the shark species it was has been fasting. Around, it's been around that long. It's perfectly evolved animal to apex predator. Sharks actually don't have bones. They're a special type of fish known as elastomobranchs, which translates into fish made of cartilaginous tissue. The clear grizzly stuff that your ears and nose and tips are made of. So that's where your ears and nose are cartilage. Oh, wow. So Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. I think just maybe their teeth, I guess, are the only bones in their body if that's even made out of maybe, bone. Maybe their skull has a, a made of bone as well. I just possibly. said they don't have bones. <laughs> Did you not listen to what I said? But what about their teeth? I said that's what I said. Maybe their teeth. I don't know if their normal teeth like ours are just made out of cartilage. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, sharks are actually also not blind. Common misconception. Most sharks can see very well in dark lit areas. They have fantastic night vision. They cannot see colors. I believe they're colorblind. Um, let's see. Oh, poor sharks. But they again, they can see extremely well in color in uh, low light. Sharks can, se- can sense electromagnetic fields and temperature shifts in the ocean with their amuplay of Lorenzini, which is some sort of like electromagnetic antenna, basically, for them to be able to use that, you could say, sixth sense that they have that humans can never perceive. Mm-hmm. They see dead people? Pretty much. They see <laughs> <laughs> Haley Joel, they see Bruce Wells in the ocean. <laughs> uh, again, they are apex predators. They have several rows of teeth, but there are over 500 different species of sharks. So not all of them, you know, not all of them are have the teeth that they have. Like there's whale sharks that don't have teeth like great white sharks have, but some have multiple rows, roles. And as predators, they play a vital role in the health of marine ecosystems by eating large fish that help create, it helps to create the balance in the food chain. Circle of life, man. So if sharks keep going, it's not good for the ocean at all, and it could probably lead to the destruction of the ocean life. All the major fishing countries use destructive fishing practices that result in the killing of up to, guess how many sharks are killed a year? 500,000. 100 million sharks are killed every year by human beings. What? Versus guess how many human deaths occur each year by sharks on average? Six. Ten. Wow. Per year. In the whole world. So 100 million sharks die every year by humans versus 10 by sharks. Who's the real predator? For real. On at... Yeah, and the fins of sharks are a valuable commodity in certain cultures as yeah, well. Yeah, I believe some fishers even just chop the the fins and, and tails off sharks and toss them back in the yeah, ocean. Yeah, I can't remember what country. Is it Japan? They have that, that day festival where they just cut off the fins of sharks. I don't know. It's, it's I can't remember up. what country it is, but That's it's horrible. a horrible thing. Sorry, Japan. If, it's, if we're not confirmed, we don't mean to take it on you. <laughs> on average, there are 16 shark attacks per year in the United States with one fatality every two years. And these are statistics from 2020. There were 129 shark attacks reported, 
57 were unprovoked, meaning humans went to the sharks and like were either diving and messing with them or trying to shoot them or or just and, trying and, like, to get a photo. Being inside their environment where they're not supposed to be. Um, 10 human fatalities again. And there are an average of 80 shark bites per year in the entire world. And again, that only results in about 10, 10 fatalities on the planet. That's yeah. That seems like it's a very small number. So. Yeah, and, I, and think of unprovoked. I feel bad for sharks because, like, imagine walking into a stranger's house uninvited and then shooting them for attacking you. That's a shark's life. <laughs> it's messed up. It's horrible. They're just trying to get some fish. They're like, I think a lot of marine bi- biologists kind of refer to them as like large dogs. You could say in the ocean, they just if they come near you, they're just curious and. I mean, they're not trying to attack humans. It's if they do, it's an accident. Again, it's not a super intelligent animal like a human being or or a dolphin or or an octopus. So it's more of curiosity to see what we are and to see if we're we're prey or not, if they can eat us. Yeah, and we are. We have a natural instinct to be afraid of them, obviously, because they are such apex predators. And they're what are they? The oldest predator on the planet. One of them. Yeah. I don't know if it's the oldest. I think. Maybe alligators or crocodiles are pretty high up yeah, there, both, too. Yeah, either one of them are the oldest. Like, but 455 million years yeah, of evolution. That's insane. And But also, they get a bad rap because of movies and TV. Because, obviously, you get to show conflict in a movie and something exciting. And what's the exciting things that happen with sharks? It's shark attacks. Yeah, and before we get into more of shark movies and shark fun facts, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your family or friends and become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Patrons get perks like personalized videos. You get to see our podcast schedule for upcoming episodes so you can watch the movies ahead of time. Top-tier patrons get a monthly shout-out on the podcast. And the best perk of all, every patron, no matter if you're the $2, $5, or $10 tier, has access to our bonus episodes of the podcast, which posts every Tuesday. Head on over to our website, RaidersOfLostPodcast.com, to check out all of our sources of content, our custom merch, our movie posters. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. Hit the, hit the notification bell. Leave those five-star reviews. And thank you so much for tuning in around the world. Now back to all the shocks. Let's go. So you want to get into the movies? Or do you have anything else you want to say on this amazing, fascinating beast? I would just say it's not a movie, but a shark, a shark in a movie that I love is Bruce from Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sharks are fun. Yeah, they're great. Oh, I can't believe we didn't even. Well, well it's not, not a really, shark. It's movie. not a shark movie. Yeah, they're right, only so. in one scene. Oh, they should make a, a movie spinoff of Bruce and the Sharks. I would see that. How have they not done that, that yet? That would be a great movie. I guarantee you, everyone listening would have rather seen that than Finding Dory. Maybe they, the plot could be them trying to turn all sharks to go vegan, <laughs> <laughs> eat only algae. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, I'd, I'd actually see that. Yeah, that would be really we, funny. We gotta shout them. Those out. are the, some of the best sequences in the in the Finding Nemo movies. Yeah, it's great. All right, let's move on to. We'll start. Well, first of all, one last point is the thing with shark movies for me is I always see them as guilty pleasure movies outside of Jaws. Jaws is a masterpiece. You could even argue that it's the greatest film ever made, that there's an argument to be made there. But for me, whenever I watch a shark movie outside of Jaws, it's guilty pleasure only. Deep Blue Sea, guilty pleasure. I just want to watch LL Cool J blow up a shark in a kitchen. (laughs) Well, the stats you just read explain why that is. Because it's so unrealistic because there are so few attacks. The idea of like even making a movie about a shark seems like such a small uh, – the chances of that event happening are so minuscule. So, And that's why it's so hard to do it. Even the, yeah. the people who made Jaws outside of Spielberg, the producers who made that movie, the studio, they couldn't even do it a second time. They're like, I guess that's the only plot we could come up with. They No, but they made it worse. Yeah, like, well, The shark was like hunting them. Yeah, it across, got pretty bad. Yeah. They live on the land. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they live at that house over there. <laughs> I'm gonna get my revenge. Was it 72 Ocean Boulevard or 73 Ocean Boulevard? <laughs> Damn Google Maps. So it's it's really like a contest of how do you make a shark movie 
different? How can, what kind of take can you have on it? I think Deep Blue Sea has like the best alternate take on a it's shark movie. It's a fun movie. movie. It's a good Deep time. Deep Blue Sea is great. But we'll save that for a little bit because the first one we're going to talk about is Jaws. The, the king. The king of shark movies. The first summer blockbuster. This changed film, cinema. It changed the way people go to the movies, and it changed the way people perceive the beach and sharks in general. I would say this is the king of monster movies as oh, well. Absolutely. I think this is the ultimate monster movie, even better than like the original King Kong, which had a huge impact when it first came out like so many decades ago. But ironically, Jaws was supposed to come out for Christmas, and as we all know, it ended up becoming the first blockbuster in American cinema history, meaning that it's the first movie to gross $100 million in its in its uh, dom- uh, domestic theatrical run. Which they thought at the time was an impossibility. Like, there's yeah. no way a movie could ever pass that. I think what came in, what was the the highest at the time? It was like $85 million for... In, in one theatrical run, I'm not sure. But movies like Gone with the Wind have made much more than that because of re-releases. But this is just a one initial The Exorcist release. made $89 million in 1973, okay. and people were like, that will never be topped. Yeah, that was a huge huge hit because we're th- we're talking about the 70s where a million dollars is is worth a lot more than it is now and jaws is still currently the seventh highest highest grossing movie of all time when adjusted for inflation and we've had some massive successful movies the last decade yeah we're talking if you adjusted for inflation it made like 600 million dollars Ameri- more just in america yeah uh, yeah, just domestically, America, yeah, yeah, just America alone. That's how successful it was, and it was supposed to come out in Christmas, but uh, because it's, it has a famous turbulent production, the shark wasn't working. Uh, the shooting on water is so difficult; it was a bad idea to start with, and just the struggle of making a movie on boats on the ocean. It, it ended up uh, tripling the scheduling and quadrupling the budget, and so they shot way over schedule, and so they were forced to release the movie in the summer. And now what happened was. Back then, movies that came out in the summer were the movies that studios thought were just the worst movies they had the on the slate. monster movies. B movies, like, no one's going to like these. They're not going to make that much money, so we're releasing them in the summer because back then, most people spent their days in the summer going out, doing things. You know, there wasn't all this entertainment that we have. There wasn't all this digital media that we could in- absorb at home. Wait, people weren't on TikTok? No, people were not on TikTok. <laughs> and people were doing things. Like, people planned things in the summer, whereas nowadays, like, Jaws created the idea of re- you release a tent pole blockbuster in the summer because since kids aren't in school, you can get more butts in the seats, which means more showings because on weekdays, you don't really get that many viewings when kids are in school. And this was, I believe, PG-13 when it came out. So just having the avil- ability for all these people to see Jaws at all hours of the day in the word of mouth of the movie itself. It was a bestseller book. It catapulted it to have this meteoric run at the box office. And from then on, studios pursued the idea of let's release our big movies in the summertime just like Jaws. Yeah, and that's why every Chrissy Nolan movie comes out in June or July. <laughs> every single one of them. All the, Yeah, the best superhero movies will come out July, August, Big June. action movies. Yeah. So, Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And so Jaws was released in 1975 directed by Steven Spielberg who was only 27 years old at the time he made arguably the greatest film of all time which is insane. The script was written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb. And we all know the story. It's about this killer shark that is terrorizing this beachside community in Massachusetts. In Mass- is it Massachusetts? Is it, it's a fictional city in Cape Cod? Or no, is it- they, they shot it at Martha's oh, Vineyard, but it's called yeah. Amity. They shot it in a bunch of locations. Yeah. One of them was Martha's Vineyard, not yeah. entirely at Martha's Vineyard. But um, And so basically the shark is taking over this, this community, and it's a community that's dependent on this July 4th holiday weekend to basically keep the businesses in the, in the town going for the entire year for when the winter months come. Yeah, it, it becomes a, a great, great story about 
a new sheriff in town who's afraid of water, Brody, and and he de- defines like what how a character is put out of their comfort zone because you have this person who is terrified of the water. He he can't even stand being near it, but he ends up having to go into the ocean to stop this beast. And it's a great, great film. Uh, amazing cast. Richard Dreyfuss is great. Um, what's his name? Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Lorraine Robert Gray, Shaw, yeah. Murray Hamilton. So awesome, fantastic cast. And probably be one of the reasons why it's the best shark movie of all time is all of these characters are so well written, so well acted versus every other character in these shark movies are kind of flat. Yeah, and also Spielberg's genius directing. He really showed it with this film. It's not his first movie. Uh, he actually made a couple of B-horror movies for Roger Corman when he was younger, and then he made Duel, which um, was a a, mov- a great little horror movie, but still very small budget, and, and it was just a, one tr- a truck chasing a car mostly. But this movie, you can see how, and I, I've said it before, Steven Spielberg is the best blocker in film history in terms of blocking means how you how the camera moves in a scene how the actors move in a scene the general direction of scenes as they take place physically and what he does in this movie showcases his use of long takes people think when you think of long takes you think of like goodfellas you think of films like that like alfonso Cuaron using long takes but uh spielberg was the i i believe in american cinema the very first user prolific user of incredible complex long takes in films, but he's so good at it that you don't even know it's happening. Like, there's that scene on that little tiny ferry that Brody's on when he talks to the mayor. That scene doesn't have a cut, and it's almost three minutes long. And then there's the scene when the uh, the mayor is arguing with um with uh, Brody and Dreyfus. That scene's also like a minute and a half long, no cuts, but he moves the camera into different setups. So Spielberg, and he does it, he's always done it throughout his career, these amazing, intricate, de- intricately designed, complex, long takes that he masks by changing the camera angle so it feels like it's being cut, but technically it's it's not being cut at all. It's all a long take. Yeah, it's a mastercraft in cinematography too, yeah. especially like the fun moves, like the dolly zoom on Brody's face at the beach when there's the shark attack happening. But also right before the dolly zoom shot, there's another genius cinematography shot where it's this basically it's a it's a single shot uh, of a different perspective where he's talking to the person on the beach that's talking in his face and then he's also watching the girl in the ocean it's a really beautiful focus pull between back and forth to show like this character has his attention focused on two points yeah exactly and it's kind of like an impossible shot that's that, yeah. yeah it's it's a camera trickery and it's, it, it works really well in that image it was made really famous in citizen kane they did that first like very far away camera but you're chi- you're focusing on two images that are very far apart because the focal length is so large with the kind of lens and camera and distance you're using it's a really con- complex and difficult shot to achieve, and also it has a famous opening shot with uh, no dialogue that we hear as the audience. Obviously, the boy and the girl say a few words to each other, but we don't even know what they're saying. And it's a great opening of just character action to set up this fantastic, horrific shark attack with the girl in the water. And that that first five minutes of this movie is really what sets the stage for it. It becoming a masterpiece because it's so well shot. It's and it's the music. John Williams' music is, is stunning. And then you want an Oscar for this? Yeah, just the way that the girl is thrown around in the water and thrashes, and the way she screams, and then she's just pulled under, and it's quiet. And then it's just silence, and you just hear the water. And it's unbelievable filming. And again, the accidental genius where they were planning to show more of the shark. They weren't planning on keeping an entire secret until the second half of the film, really. But they, again, the the shark, which is named Bruce, this mechanical thing, would not work. And it was a plague production. It went months and months over budget, months and months over shooting time, over budget. 
and it ended up being a seven million dollar budget, but a gross four hundred forty one million. But if it didn't work out, you could argue that Steven Spielberg probably wouldn't have been able to make another movie if it bombed. You know, they, it was a plague production. They didn't think it'd be, they'd even finish the movie because they didn't. They underestimated how hard it would be to shoot a film and shoot scenes on the ocean because although the first half of the film it's kind of political in terms of like the mayor wants these things to happen despite these killings, he still wants the events to be going on. He still wants the big celebration for July Fourth because the people depend on that income for the economy but then the second half of the film and, and the second half of the film is basically all on the open water tracking down the shark and trying to kill it it's brilliant how it contrasts uh, and I, that's what i love about the yeah. movie and it's really simple it's plot and it's just three men hunting a beast and that's it's that's it but there's so much to it there's so much tension and suspense built into it and it's just fabulous filmmaking and shooting on the water it, it's really complex because you're they, they didn't you can't just like rent all of the water and they weren't shooting that far from the coast They were pretty close to the coastline So they could only shoot basically in, in one direction without showing the actual land of Martha's Vineyard behind them in the other locations Yeah, and also you get a this no, no CGI back then you, you don't have anything to erase stuff like they had to constantly were thwarted by planes flying by by other boats and ferries constantly driving by in the water. There's no way you can get around that. So they constantly, the delays had, were just like waiting for things to pass by in the distance, waiting for planes to fly over, things like that, which really delayed and plagued the production. And shooting on the water itself practically is just a, a mess. And um, it's uh, it's incredible that Spielberg pulled it off. And the shark not working. Like trying yeah. to, you're trying to shoot a shark movie. You have these, these giant robotic sharks and they won't freaking work. But somehow... They use it to their benefit, and they hardly show the shark. And this is something that a lot of filmmakers in horror, especially, have tried to replicate. And they've used the style of not showing too much of the monster at first. You know, we talked about this with A Quiet Place, where Krasinski used that same element. Although he showed a quick shot of it early on in the first one, you don't see the monsters and the and the the demons or the angels. Uh, the fallen angels, the death angels, death angels is the word. <laughs> I'm like naming video games or something. <laughs> You don't see them until the like the second half, third act of the film, but same kind of thing where you build the story, you build the environment, and you but you don't see what's causing the damage to these human beings. And what's really smart about when he does reveal the shark, and I'm talking before they're out on the water hunting it and it's like really showing itself a lot, is there's a couple of shots where Spielberg, he does these overhead shots and you see the shark, but to scale with uh, another boat or something. So when the, the kids are in the little pond and, and the shark approaches um, the older man, and it's just you see the gigantic body on just underneath the surface of yeah. the water, and it's it's insane how big it is. And also when we see it for the first time when they're out hunting it, and it's again same kind of shot overhead, and it swims alongside the boat. And you see, in comparison with the boat, with something to scale it with, how massive this beast is. And just those two shots are, I think, some of the most terrifying images of the entire movie. Well, then also the. First, like really great reveal of the shark and its mouth when Brody's has his head turned yeah. towards the boat and he's throwing the the chunks of meat into the ocean and the shark just comes up and he looks at it and it's this giant mouth coming for him yeah. like that is terrifying and it's there's no music or anything it's just him in the water and the in the waves and that's all you hear and the giant shark coming to feed and it's like holy fucking shit yeah you're gonna need a bigger bro bro yeah and he improvised that line oh yeah but this movie is just one of my favorite movies of all time. I've watched it so many times, and I never get sick of it. I and I always take. I, I just love watching Spielberg's direction in it, and the cast is so well crafted in their acting and their performances, and so entertaining. 
I think that Richard Dreyfus really steals a lot of the scenes. He's, yeah. in, he's he's that comedic relief, that energy that you need. And Robert Shaw with his famous monologue and just his character is just so much fun and contrasted with Brody. It's just a terrific cast. Yeah, this needs a solo movie done pretty soon. Yeah. And you know, the the thing about it is the pop culture relevance of Jaws is still everywhere today. I mean, you can't go like a couple days without seeing someone wearing a Jaws shirt or something it's like infamous. that. It's infamous. I mean, it's going to live on forever. And you think about it when movie. you go to the beach. Yeah, every time. Always think about Jaws. So, yeah, that's that's Jaws. I'm sure we've all seen it a dozen times. Yeah. Move on. Let's move on to Deep Blue Sea. Yes. This came out in 1999, directed by Rennie Harlan. Searching for a cure to Alzheimer's disease, a group of scientists on an isolated research facility become the prey as a trio of intelligent sharks fight back. They're wicked smart sharks. Wicked smart sharks. <laughs> Those sharks are wicked smart guys. They signed up for Grammarly <laughs> online. <laughs> they study at MIT. They solve the equations on the board. <laughs> so this is, again, how do you do a different shark movie? You got to... You gotta stir it up a little bit. You gotta come up with something crazy. And you know what? This is not a great, great movie. It's not a perfect movie, but we saw it when we were kids. Our dad took us to see this, and I remember just having a blast with this movie. And then we owned it on DVD, and we watched it a ton. Yeah, we. This movie is a lot of fun, especially for young people, and especially if you you're able to just enjoy a silly movie. Obviously, the science is ridiculous. Obviously, it's kind of a stupid plot, but you know, if you just sit back, relax. Just watch it happen. It's it's a fun time. It's got a fantastic cast too. Yeah, Sam L. Jackson, Stellan Skarsgård, yeah, Saffron Burroughs, Thomas Jane, Ella Cool J, Michael Rappaport. There's a ton of great actors and fun people. Well, I wouldn't call Rappaport a great actor. Well, he he's effective. <laughs> yeah, you know he's, he does he does a good, good job at what he does. What he does. You know, yeah. True Romance. He's effective in that movie yeah. too. He's just like the the loud talking city <laughs> that, dude. Yeah. But um, screenwriter Duncan Kennedy actually came up with the idea from being plagued with nightmares after he saw a shark attack on a beach. And he saw, I believe he saw two people get killed by a shark. And so he was plagued with nightmares, he said, of sharks reading his mind. So he's like developing this idea of like super intelligent genius sharks and how to make that into a story. Oh, cool. But also this movie, you could say, is the first big movie that really showcased uh, sharks as looking realistic to real life. Because, CGI, yeah, 1999. Yeah, because in Jaws... You do the there's the shots of the mechanical Bruce and then um, then they did shots insert shots of actual sharks but like attacking the cage and stuff and then all the other Jaws movies uh, they were doing special effects and but it just did not look good at all it looked real bad sharks with laser beams yeah. attached to their heads <laughs> yeah it was crap but then this movie is it's it's a lot of CGI but then also there's a lot of practical effects like when the shark attacks uh, Saffron Burrow's character was it Melissa I can't remember her name um, in that room and she electrocutes it. When the first couple times it, it pops out of the water, it's like an actual prop. So you can see it, it looks real and it feels real. And then the CGI does look good. It, they do feel like realistic-looking sharks. It, the CGI in, in certain locations is good. The one it's where, 99. Like so. where, where Samuel Jackson's character gets eaten by the shark, yeah. that CGI is like, it's pretty whack. For but 99. You, but you accept it yeah. because, again, this is a, a cheesy, cliche movie. The characters are Full of cliches, you know, you can stereotypes, ste very yeah. stereotypical characters. You can kind of predict what they're going to say every time they speak a line. <laughs> but if you actually think about it, this movie is very similar to Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where we have scientists <laughs> experimenting on animals to find a cure for brain diseases, but it accidentally makes them smarter and aggressive to humans. Dude, you're totally right. Exactly the same plot. So Rise of the Planet of the Apes, you should be thanking Deep Blue Sea. Oh, we got to do that episode. Oh, people have been requesting it. Yeah, do y'all want to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy? trilogy? They, they do. Leave a comment in the YouTube. But the Deep Blue Sea... 
I'm sorry, I cut you off. You're about to say something. I was going to say, uh, in Thomas Jane talking about stereotypical characters, he plays like this stereotypical hero, but I think he did a great job in this movie, and this led to him being in The Punisher, and I, I really like him as Punisher. Oh, he was perfect in that movie. Yeah. But the cool thing about Deep Blue Sea, as cheesy as it is, the production value is exceptional. You know, yeah. the sets are huge. They're really great. This underwater facility, it's really fascinating, and it's cool to watch. Like, maybe there are places like this that are actually are out there during research. Um, Although but, only five people work there. Yeah, but again, <laughs> both CGI and practical sharks blended together to create all of the attacks and scenes of the sharks. And, and the shark attacks, the shark scenes are good. There's some scary moments, like when she's... With that shark in the room, that's Susan. scary. Yeah, Susan. Like, and every time you see shots of like their their feet in the water, dude, or... it bites Stellan Skarsgård's yeah. arm. Yeah, off. he gets his arm chopped off. Crazy it's nuts. And then he, but then he, uh, he he falls off the helicopter, the helipad, the helipad. Well, the helicopter crashes. Well, no, first he gets slipped off of it yeah. from the the ropes cuts off, and he falls into the water. And then the shark takes him and then throws him into the glass. Yeah, uses him as a battering ram. Yeah, basically, it's so funny. It's crazy. It's 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 so fun and crazy obviously to watch that these like are super genius sharks and to watch them just dominating whatever their, their environment you know the water environment and so in order to get to their prey you know they know that they're trapped by these cages because they know they're geniuses now <laughs> i wonder if they know the internet exists and they have to in order to get to their prey they have to get inside their environment and how are we going to do that we're going to smash through that window because i know what glass is because i'm a genius shark and then we're going to get in there we're going to turn the the turntables will change or no now have the turns tables. <laughs> the office. The office, Michael Scott. <laughs> um, and then they bring the water into the facility to create their environment in there now. Yeah, they basically force the humans to flood each level until uh, the entire place gets flooded, which, which allows is... the sharks to reach the fence. So they're outsmarting. They, they know the blueprint design of the facility, and they're like, yo, if they keep flooding these quadrants, <laughs> thinking that we're going to come in this other quadrant, we're going to sink the whole thing. How many gallons of water do you think could fit in that level? All right, no, imagine if they try to do the diehard uh, riddle. <laughs> <laughs> the five-gallon jug and yeah. the three-gallon jug. <laughs> but it's great. I mean... LL Cool J, it's just so cool to see him. He's like this chef. He's got this parrot. It's he's cool feeding him whipped cream. <laughs> and then just to... <laughs> it, it's pretty badass to watch him blow the shark up, though. Yeah, like it's a great The moment, scene yeah. where he's in the oven and the shark accidentally turns lights it on. The, lights the lighter. And then... But he's like axing his way out of there. I'm always like, oh, I'm shaking because I'm freaking out because he's trapped inside of an oven. It's terrible. Then the he, irony, a cook trapped inside of an oven. <laughs> <laughs> All those lobsters are getting revenge now watching that. And it also, I think uh, Samuel Jackson's death is probably the best part of the movie. Absolutely. Because he gives this epic pump-up speech. He's like, we gotta stick together. We can get through this. It can get a lot worse. <laughs> and then the shark just jumps up and eats him. <laughs> oh, I remember when we saw those kids, we were like, oh, we the shark are... ate me. The mother effing shark, shark ate me. <laughs> it's outrageous. The concept so, is outrageous. Yeah, so as, ba as, as cheesy as the movie is, there are great moments. Like, you can't say that Sam Jackson's death is not a great moment. It's, it's the so best awesome. stupid shark movie, probably. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so fun to watch, though. You just, like, hang out with your buds, have a fun movie night, Listen watch to some LL Cool J <laughs> while his song plays in the credits. As soon as the credits roll. No, you're going to warm up with some LL. Yeah, you warm up with some LL. <laughs> Man, but I, I like this movie a lot. It's so fun. We, we loved it when we were kids. And also yeah. a fun little fact about it, the license plate that Carter takes out of the shark's mouth early in the film in the beginning when Sam L. Jackson's character arrives, it's the same exact license plate from Jaws inside the stomach of what they think is the killer shark. Oh, wow. From Louisiana yeah, or something? Yeah, the same plate. Yeah, yeah. So nice. I think it's just a fun nod. Yeah, definitely. It's like, um, 
it's also like Poseidon Adventure, where they're stuck inside of the cruise ship. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mixed with Jaws, you can say. But man, it's a good good time, guys. Just shut your brain off and just have fun. Oh, yeah. Deep Blue Sea, you want to move on? Let's move on. We got The Shallows next, which came out in 2016, and stars Blake Lively. And this movie... I saw the trailer, I remember, and I was like, oh, it looks, it looks pretty good. I mean, just it's just Blake and a shark. I mean, I, I don't know. But then I watched it, and I really liked this movie. I think it was really well done. It's really simple, uh, thrilling. Uh, simp- Blake, I think, gave her best performance of her career so far because she plays a character who's, like, constantly dealing with horrible situation. And she really pulled it. She carries the movie. Everything's on her. So I think it's a fabulous movie. Yeah, The Town was the first time where I saw Blake Lively in a movie. And I was like, wow, she's a good actress. She was wicked pissed in wicked the town. Wicked pissed in the town, kid. She really pulled off that accent in the towny vibe. But um, she plays a surfer who gets knocked off her board by a great white shark. And then she's stranded basically on this small rock formation that's just sticking out of the water and barely out of the shark's reach, and she has to figure out how to survive, and the shore is just 200 yards away. And so she's a great surfer, and she's at this secret beach that her mother, I believe, went to when she was mm-hmm. pregnant. It's like a secret beach that her mother went to, so I think she's trying to connect with her, her mother. Her mother recently passed so away. she passed away, and coincidentally, her friend got hungover and couldn't come, so it's, a, you know, the circumstances, oh, this person's going to go surfing, by themselves at a secret beach where no one will know they're there. That's the only. Th- I'm not sure if surfing by yourself is is a regular thing people do. I don't think it is either. Yeah, because it could if, be dangerous. If not surfing, if you go surfing by yourself, you're still with other surfers around you. Yeah. It's very unsafe to do something like that. I'm yeah. sure. So it's a little, you know, iffy the concept. But I think this movie's pretty sick. I was pleasantly surprised by it. The scares are legit and terrific. The CGI is very passable. You know, I, I don't have a problem with it really at all. Just a few shots here and there. It has some of the best shark attack sequences of all time. Yeah. Like that, first of all, the attack on her is the first one is great because she's what happens is she she's uh, goes out surfing for the second time that day. And then she as she's paddling out, she sees there's a dead whale carcass. And because she seems to be an intelligent person that we can tell from this point, she's like, oh, this is no bueno. I got to get out of here. And so she starts paddling back, and then she then she picks up a wave and starts riding the wave back to shore. But then, as she's on this wave, and the wave looks like it's about 15 feet tall, you just see the body of the shark moving through the wave towards her, and then it just slams right into her. It was it's such a great moment. And then there's a great long take where she's just bouncing around around on the reef and on the floor of the ocean. And there's also the attack on the the two guys. Um, the two surfers later on when she's stranded and she's like calling for them to not go in the water and they start they think that they're she's calling to say hi to them so they start paddling towards her and the friend in the background the, he's just paddling and then the shark just jumps up like when they jump up to catch to each seals and stuff and they can like jump like 10 feet in the air it does that to him and it's crazy to see that happen it was great yeah it's pretty wild one problem an, an issue i have with it though is this movie's pg-13 and i feel like why not go for an r yeah they probably could have done a it's, lot crazier oh, wow, things it's, it's pg-13 yeah That's so dumb. is those That's dumb even though they, there's some really terrifying gory shots like it could have been a lot better i think if they went for the r rating I think that people, if you walk into that movie, you think it's rated R. You yeah. would want it to be. Yeah. I would want it to be. You want to see that gore. But what I like about this movie a lot, though, is it feels like 127 hours. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the protagonists, they're trapped, you know, and they can either wait to die a slow death or they can fight for survival. And fortunately, her character decides to fight for survival, and she really— 
is just going back and forth against the shark, and it's really a, a battle of will, you could say, against the shark and wits in a way. Yeah, she she ends up. I think the first day and a half, she just is panicking and trying to make sense of her situation. Yeah, she has injuries. Yeah, she's, she's exhausted. Trying to, she, yeah, she's trying to deal with the wound on her leg. But then by the second day comes around, she's like like timing the shark as it moves through the area, and she develops a plan. Like she's using her mind to try and outwit the shark, which which is great survival instincts for her. She's a great character. Yeah, and I believe she's also a medical student, so she's able to, like, you know, un- understand what her injuries are and try to fix them as best as she can. She gets she starts getting gangrene. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty nasty. And I, I feel like at the end of the movie, she should have had her leg amputated. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I'm not, for like— For the last shot. I'm not a doctor, but, like, I feel like if you get that bad of a lang- leg injury with infection, that thing's got to go. Hey— it's not your movie. It's got, it's got, <laughs> it's got to go. go. It's got to go. Well, maybe that would seem too much similar to that other movie about the sharker, uh, but the surfer, the, sharker. <laughs> the surfer who got her her leg uh, chopped off by a shark. Yeah. Anyways, but the third act is really great in the way that she, you know, defeats the shark. We won't say how it happens because, in case you haven't seen the movie, but it's actually pretty interesting and really unique the way that she does it. It's it's badass. Yeah. It's great. It's pretty cool because you know there's this buoy that's floating around and she's trying to make it from that rock formation to the buoy because it's not turned on. And if she thinks that if she can turn the buoy on, she'll get a signal and someone will come help her. But it's a pretty cool movie. Yeah. It's great. In terms of a shark movie with one character. They really nailed it. It's a good hour and a half, real fast thrill ride. They did a great job with it. Yeah, and if you sure. like, I'm like, if you like 127 hours, you'll dig this. For yeah, sure. you're right. It's just like 127 hours. You're real right. similar. Yeah. And speaking of sharks, before we move on, there are over 500 species of sharks in the ocean, and you notice that every single one of them silky smooth. It's a common misconception that this is because they're fish, when in fact it's because they use Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Head on over to manscaped.com, get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping, and Anthony is holding back a laugh so hard right now. <laughs> that was good. This brand new groomer is waterproof, skin safe, sharks use it, has an RPM of 7,000... <laughs> sharks use it! <laughs> has a 7,000 RPM motor, a wireless charger, built-in light for sharks using in the under, in the ocean <laughs> It's amazing, fellas. You can get to manscaped.com. Everyone listening, if you need to get a gift for the man in your life, or the what, shark in your life, the shark in your life, <laughs> whether it's a birthday or uh, a Christmas present, whatever, or it's uh, hey, take this hint present, you could probably clean up a little bit. You know, just because we're still in COVID doesn't mean you can't clean yourself up. Head on over to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for twenty percent off and free shipping today. Now, let's head on into our intermission now. Let's go. Which should be a lot of fun. We have our movie quote competition, which we'll do first. And so I have a couple. I have a quote from a fan. Okay, do do your fan quote. So this is from Lauren Smertz. Our friend Lauren. She's awesome. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'm going to try and say it like the character. Good luck. Uh, so he's chewing something. What, they don't like falafel? Batman Begins. That's right. Got it. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. I have I have two. I have one for me and one from a fan. This is from Damon Heinzman. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Oh, man. I know this. I know this. I know this. I know this. Let me know if you want a hint. I don't want a hint right now. Hold on one sec. Say it again. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn of the Dead. Yes. It was used in both. The first the, one? The, both. Okay. Both the original and the remake. Got it. And then, this is from me, if you leave me now, in the next life you'll be my sworn enemy. Now I'll show you no mercy. If you leave me now, 
In the next life, you will be my sworn enemy, and I will show you no mercy. Hmm. Is it Princess Bride? No. I don't know. The Master. Oh, oh my Lancaster God! Died. Yeah, he says it. Oh my God! Says it to Freddy. Yeah. <sighs> All right. One. Good one. Oh, I got one. I got, you got another one. You got yeah. another one. Okay, I'm gonna try to impersonate the actor. You'd be the meanest wife ever, okay? And I know that you weren't born the you weren't bored the other day because there was a lot of stuff on TV and the Blair Witch Project was coming on Stars and you were like, I haven't seen this since it came out, and so we should watch it. And then, but oh no, we should just make out instead. La la la. Is it Michael Sarah? Yeah. What movie is that? <laughs> I'm glad you got the actor for my impersonation. Uh, what? Who is? What movie is that? It's not Scott Pilgrim. Juno. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> good one. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Nah, man, I like that movie. It's a really lot. well written. All right. Um, guess movie release year. Inside Man. 2004. 2006. No! One of uh, Spike Lee's best movies. It's kind of hidden in his filmography. One of my favorite heist movies of all time. Man, good one. Such a good movie. All right, here's mine. 10 Things I Hate About You. What a classic. Got Heath, JGL. Man. Julia Stiles. 1998. 99. Ah, oh, I almost said 99. So close. But you didn't. All right, movie pop quiz time. How many Christopher Nolan movies has Wally Fisser done the cinematography for? Memento, Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises. Six. You're missing one. Hmm. Hold on. Memento, Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises. Oh my god, what am I missing? You're missing a movie. People always forget about it. I don't know it. Insomnia. He shot Insomnia. Yeah. Oh my god, why did I not think he shot it? Yeah. I'm such a bonehead. I even in my head I was like, he didn't shoot Insomnia. I was like, obviously he did. Oh <laughs> yeah, my so god, seven I'm an idiot. seven movies. Dark Knight Rises was the last one Wally did. Wally doesn't do oh cinematography for films anymore. I'm so dumb. Ever since he tried to be a director and make transcend transcendence. Easy, we got Warner Brothers people listening. You can cut that. <laughs> okay, here's they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know. They they like to forget about that one too. All right, movie pop quiz for me. In what movie did Jennifer Garner co-star alongside Leonardo DiCaprio? Co-star? Not star, but she's in she's, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. She's in one scene, playa. Good job. <laughs> well, it's a long scene. It is a long scene. Yeah. It's a good scene. Yeah. All right. Biggest... What, should I, what should I have said? Co-acted? Co-acted alongside. I don't know. <laughs> co-star is like Tom Hanks in that movie, you know? You're my co-star. Yeah, we're 50-50 player. Don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Biggest hater of the week? I have one. Let's see. So it. I have a real hater, and it is TikTok. The overlords of TikTok banned us for 48 hours from posting because of breaking community guidelines for who knows what. 
it's pretty ridiculous. The rules are being more and more strict, and they're constantly updating. It's hard to keep up with what we what to post and what you can't post. And really, it was the clip where we talk about Christian Bale and his weight transformations. And I believe just having a couple shirtless shots of Christian Bale and the machinist in American Cycle really just shut down the channel for us. It makes no sense, honestly. The stuff that's on TikTok, for real. It's 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 a little silly. We also got a community guideline for him being do, doing a clip of him training for training. Batman Begins. Yeah, I made a clip of him doing the. There's a great behind the scenes footage of him training for Batman Begins, as well as behind the scenes footage of him doing the training inside of the Ninja Temple. Awesome League stuff. of Shadows. Yeah, and it's just like you know, there's is they got we got community guidelines for that for too much violence, and it's like no one's really getting hit. It's clearly fake. Meanwhile, they've been advertising Snake Eyes on them yeah. on that app for two months, I and mean, he's yeah. he's murking people on a bus like crazy with a sword. It's insane. Yeah, man, it's ridiculous. The the rules like, we don't even know what they are anymore. Yeah, so biggest hater of the week, TikTok. You're there, but I have a I have a person who's a hater. This has just happened. So it was a clip of Saving Private Ryan that we posted a while ago, mm -hmm. and it's a great clip. It's one of our best ones. And then our Dave eighty seven on TikTok said, "Oh well, thanks for spoiling it. Thumbs up." And so I said, "If you haven't seen it yet, you were never going to." Yeah, it's yeah. an old movie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Got another one. And then uh, Riley Adamson on our Christian Bale episode on YouTube said. You never. You said he's never played a detective. Batman is considered the world's greatest detective. Oh, Unsubs unsubscribe! Unsubscribe! <laughs> and he's right. Totally right. Well, te technically, in uh, Public Enemies, he's, I wouldn't say it's a detective. It's more of a special agent. So he does detecting, though. Does, yeah, he does detecting. So yeah. I think you you just meant like a police detective. Yeah, but I'm still but Riley, I'm still unsubscribing now. Yeah, but Riley's correct. Riley is absolutely correct. He's still subscribed. <laughs> and then uh, I have a top comment. <laughs> it's a clip we posted today on Christian Bale, and we just we just had our Christian Bale episode, so our TikTok has been full of Christian Bale content mm -hmm. uh, to promote it. And then Mitchell Allen Jensen said, "You guys sweat, Christian." Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? I said all day. Who doesn't? Someone else said, "I think the people at Raiders of Lost Podcast have a man crush on Christian Bale." Big Who time. doesn't have a man crush on Christian Bale? Big time. Come on. On this day in film history, today is August 16th, in 1930, the first color sound cartoon, Fiddlesticks, by Ub Eworks, ex-Walt Disney Studios, is released, was released. Wow. Um, 2016, When the Levees Broke, the documentary directed by Spike Lee on the effects of Hurricane Katrina, premiered in New Orleans Arena. Uh, it's in 2018, on this day, Scarlett Johansson was named the world's highest paid actress of the year, earning $40 million in 2018 40 million this is also the day that james cameron was born the great director and i never heard of him. movies that came out on august 16th in history kick-ass 2 the butler and the usual suspects nice what's your streaming recommendation for this week i forgot to do it so let's go with yours i have raging bull just got added onto amazon prime perfect so it's, i think it's the greatest sports movie ever made i concur if you haven't seen it you have to check it out. It's Robert De Niro's possibly his best performance. He won the Oscar for it. Whew. All right. Great, great movie. Good stuff. All right, let's move on. Back to shark Sharks. stuff. Yeah, we're done. We're done with our intermission. Cool. Let's go into Open Water. This was released in 2003, directed by Chris Kentis, based on the true story of two scuba divers accidentally stranded in shark-infested waters after their tour boat has left. And this movie was wildly successful, $100,000 budget, 
grossed $54 million worldwide. It kind of cashed in on that like Blair Witch Project phenomenon that was going on where it's kind of like that found footage sort of feel and claustrophobia and being by yourself stranded somewhere. Just It just capitalized on that. And also the inspiration of a true story was a big selling point because the trailers were all saying based on real events, like based on a true story. And so it was really intriguing. I remember seeing the trailers for this, really wanting to see it. And it's a good movie, you know. It's it's This is when digital cameras were still coming out and it's not even, I don't even think it's HD quality, the footage. But obviously it, it really works because the story itself is just really compelling it's and the acting these act these two actors obviously never became big names but what i think really makes the movie work is their acting is very naturalistic i think it's because they're inexperienced yeah that's but, why but i think that adds to it the realism of it because like first of all <clears throat> so the, what happens is these divers they're diving with a, a group of other people who have paid this this captain in, in their ship to take them deep sea diving and and they the husband and leads the girlfriend off the trail a little bit to do their own diving, and then when they come back up, the boat's gone, and they're stranded in the water, and they can't see any boats anywhere, and they, they think they see one in the distance, but it's too well, far away. Well, there's two. They, when yeah. they come up, there are two boats that they can see, but yeah. they don't know which is one, and then in a couple minutes, they're both gone. Yeah, they're so far away, and it's, it's a really, really brilliant premise and setup, and what really works, though, is, like I said, the naturalistic dialogue because it's not like... You you typically see in a movie where they ha they have like these dramatic lines and everyone's like oh like it's super intense but they both have like this kind of like still a bit of an affable nature to what they're talking about like it's not doom and gloom yet like they're like uh they, they're kind of like joking a little bit they're, it's like a realistic husband yeah. and wife dialogue it's, it seems what how people would really talk in that situation mm -hmm. like it's not like oh we're gonna die yet it's just like oh did you get us lost and stuff like that and it, it makes it feel realistic yeah and so the concept i mean the, this movie is based very loosely on this real event of these real missing divers but it's pure speculation that sharks were involved there's no evidence to say that sharks were there at all so basically what happened is these two scuba divers this couple they were left by this scuba company and it wasn't reported for over two days and so it was basically just a horrible horrific case of negligence and it it completely shook i think it took place in australia that it happened it shook the australian like reef market department. I mean, and what is that? Reef market department. What is that? Reef market. What was I saying? <laughs> I the Australian diving, diving tourism community. community. It, yeah. it rocked it. And so all these new regulations were put into place and everything, not the reef diving. It's like situations <laughs> like that, which put really strict regulations and laws into place. But this captain, yeah. whoever it was, they were charged with manslaughter, but then they were acquitted by a jury. So it's just horrible negligence on their part to not properly count that they have all the scuba people on their ship before on their boat before taking off and they had two people that they stranded and so again the shark stuff is completely added by the writer and director that was there's no evidence to suggest that i believe they found some of the the items that the real couple left or that that drifted ashore somewhere i think one of them was a note that said please help us and find us before we die but again there was even some of their clothing was discovered no shark bites or no there's a tear, but no no evidence of shark attack. Yeah, it could have been an, any number of things out there. They could have died of, you know, hypothermia, of, of like, lack of water, you know. So there's so many ways to dying out but, there. But it's, it's a terrifying concept, even without the sharks. Yeah. Just coming up from scuba diving in the middle of the ocean, no compass, no nothing. You have no idea where you are, miles and miles and miles away from a shore. 
and your boats are gone. Just that is terrifying. And it's the most vulnerable situation you can be in because you're in, you're on the the coat, you're on the the, <laughs> you're on the water, and you can't see below you. And so, well, and, you got you got goggles. Yeah, but barely, and yeah. you're just floating. And there could be anything, any number of creatures swimming at the depths below you just waiting to come up and so it's a terrifying situation yeah and so it's it's really scary because as the time progresses of this couple being floating around in the middle of nowhere in the ocean just sharks start to come and more come and shark attacks start to happening and the sharks are getting curious and it's just yeah it's, and it seems realistic to real sharks like they they nip at them a little bit they're actually real sharks that they sharks that they filmed yeah it's it's the i would have been terrified if i was the actors they're scary so even yeah but the sharks that they used were not sharks that bite they mm -hmm. they don't attack humans at all so they were pretty much safe from the sharks but the only bite that any of them suffered was from a barracuda oh wow but they wore special clothing that even if the one of the sharks tried to bite them the kind of shark it was it couldn't pierce it got it got so it. they were safe from the sharks but it's still more terrifying to actually have these real sharks swimming a couple feet from their faces and their heads popping up their fins popping up and everything and they don't have to be great white sharks to be scared exactly like these are just like three feet long four feet long but you know they could take a chunk out of you still but they're still terrifying even if they aren't gigantic monsters the fact that there are dozens of them by the end of the film is really truly horrifying and then it's it's a really good movie because what happens is the boyfriend he gets pulled under and and killed in the evening, um, and the sharks uh, eat at him, and then, in uh, at, at and in the morning, the girlfriend just like pushes his body away and understands that he's dead, and then she's just stuck by herself. And now that there's a his dead carcasses in the water, there's so many more sharks swimming around her. Yeah, there's some really great uh, shots with the camera where, for the most part, we're above the water, but then there are occasional glances underneath the water where she's POV looking out at her husband's body being eaten by sharks. Yeah. And there's just hundreds of sharks everywhere. It's so terrifying. It's really disturbing. It's a school of sharks, yeah. and it's just like her character, you can only imagine what's going through her head where it's like, I'm going to die. Should I just get it over with? Should I wait, see how much longer I'll survive, which will be faster? I mean, I'm not going to make it. There's no way I'm going to be I'm going to be saved. There's no one knows I'm missing. I'm in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by 100 sharks. I'm dead. And you know, she ends up drowning herself. She It's it's, it's insinuated. Yeah, it's it's but it's like you can't blame her for making that decision, you know what I mean? It's like would you rather die like that, which is, you know, painful for a moment, but it's pretty quick, or would you rather be chewed apart piece by piece by these sharks? Yeah, so my assumption is at the end of the film, the last shot is her just taking off her scuba gear. Yeah. And then and she, she dives goes under. I'm assuming yeah. she sw swam as low as she possibly could and then yeah. just passed out and, and died. Yeah, that's what I would do. Just swim down. And what else are you going to do? Yeah. It's pretty messed up. It's it's a crazy movie. <laughs> this movie just... They made, they made a bunch of sequels. Yeah. This movie, watching it, this is the kind of movie that makes my insides turn. You know, it, my stomach is just so, like, repulsed by... The, the situation, it makes me so uneasy, and yeah. I feel sick to my stomach when I watch movies like this. Yeah, and just like Blair Witch, like movies like this, they show that you don't need the world's greatest production value to make a really cool experience for the audience. It can be really simple footage, doesn't have to be anything crazy, and you know you can tell the story, and if it's it's well done, like this one is, then it ha it's effective. Yeah, and it was kind of like, it was like pre-social media, pre-internet, and it kind of just got word of mouth explosion throughout the entire country, and again, yeah. $54 million on a $100,000 budget, Whatever studio purchased this for for two million dollars, they, they were like, "Easy money, easy money." Very happy. Let's go. <laughs> they were like, "Let's make a few more." <laughs> All right, we got. Let's move to the opposite of open water. But before that, let's talk about some movie posters, guys. So, movieposters.com, if you guys haven't heard, is the number one place to get your posters 
online and they have a special coupon code that if you use you will get 15 percent off your order so our promo code is raiders 15 off now we used to have a different promo code it used to be raiders of the lost no but, raiders 15 but it used to be raiders 15 but unfortunately um it was put online and publicated and so the movieposters.com was getting way too many orders which they weren't using through people listening to our podcast it was just people searching for coupon codes online getting our coupon code and using it so we want to the, the partnership with movieposters.com depends upon you know people tuning into our show and then going to their website so we created a new coupon code it's raiders 15 off again raiders 15 off so go on to movieposters.com Pick out any one of the thousands of movie posters they have. They have pretty much every movie imaginable, all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting. If you're checking out our set, it is decked out with these amazing posters. We just got some new ones. I got Predator over here, and then I got Silence of the Lambs over here. I haven't had time to hang mine up, but I got like five new ones. I can't wait to Yeah, do you're going to have to move a, a ton of stuff. You're going to make room. Oh, yeah. But and also, I got Jaws right here. So and that, But I've always had that. It's oh, yeah. one of my faves. And so again... Go on over to movieposters.com and use our brand new coupon code Raiders15 off to get 15% off your order today. Please don't share it online. Yeah, don't share it <laughs> online, guys. All right, let's move on to The Meg. This was released in 2018, directed by John Turtletob, who is also known for doing cool runnings in the National Treasure movies. Cool runnings. And this movie is based on a book called The Meg called Meg. And it's about a group of scientists exploring the Marianas Trench and encounter the largest marine predator that has ever existed, the Megalodon. This movie made $530 million on a budget of $130 million. And if you take this movie too seriously, you're watching movies wrong. Yeah, and this movie is the opposite of open water. like Gigantic budget, huge special effects extravaganza, but it's the same thing. If it's done well, it's, it's a good time. This movie, I didn't want to like it. I didn't. I was, I was like, this movie, that trailer looks dumb, like a giant shark versus Jason Statham. I don't know. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty this, epic. It's pretty fun. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and it's like it sells itself. I mean, Jason Statham. This was, you could say, his first biggest test as leading a blockbuster movie. Yes, Outside he, of Fast and Furious. Yeah, but he's not the lead. He was just a villain. I'm talking just Jason Statham is the lead of this movie, mm -hmm. and Transporter doesn't count. Those movies are really small. This is a huge. Gigantic production, like you said, one hundred thirty million dollar production. So in Hobbs and Shaw's with The yeah. Rock, yeah. So, but this was before that, yeah. And so this, I think, this was a test for him. Can he do the blockbuster? Can he? Will audiences go see this movie? And I think because of this, this what helped them catapult Hobbs and Shaw into a movie. Yeah. So basically, the entire concept of the movie is Rain Wilson plays this multi-billionaire who has this mission that he's obsessed with, with going into the Marianas Trench, where he believes. There is an undiscovered ecosystem that has basically been trapped there because of temperature changes in the ocean when you go that low. And so he wants a crew to go down there and try to explore it and see what they'll find down there. They believe the Megalodon is down there. So they're just kind of curious to see what's going on down there. And he has all this high-tech gear. It's, you know, it's, it's super advanced. And then Jason Statham, it's based on a book. And in the book, he plays a paleontologist and marine biologist. But in the movie, he just plays a rescue diver super badass dude action hero and yeah. um basically they task him with going to rescue the people that are trapped down there in that secret ecosystem which they do discover is really there and it's basically like journey to the center of the earth except in the ocean yeah and the special the visual effects and special effects in this movie are really fantastic and what's it's really cool because things happen unexpectedly and and things there are surprises in this movie like when when they save uh those people uh 
what happens is we see the shark actually eat a giant squid, and you're like, oh my god, how big is this thing? But then after this setup, uh, the entire crew, they set out to capture and kill the Meg, and they do. They they succeed in, in capturing this giant shark and killing it, and then they even hang it from this boat, and it's like the biggest shark you've ever seen, ever, you, you could ever imagine. It's like, like, job well done, yeah, guys. it's like 30 feet long, and it's so big, and it's like, wow, this is like... I can't like this thing is gigantic. I can't believe it even is alive. But then the real Meg jumps out of the water and then takes and just grabs that shark and just pulls it out and just you see the size of the real Meg and it's like three times the size of that other giant shark and you're like, holy crap, this thing is monstrous. Yeah, and so the reason why the Meg obviously doesn't exist today because there isn't prey for it to eat that big. It yeah. needs a lot of calories, so it's extinct. That's why. But basically, again, there's that ecosystem below the depths of the ocean, the Marianas Trench, where there are these fantastical creatures and all brand new species to human beings that have always been there, but they've never been able to breach the surface of that temperature gap. And But because when they go down there exploring, there's an explosion which releases a lot of heat and like lava through that like basically temperature wall yeah. and the megs and the giant sharks escape through that. Yeah. And it's got a great cast, a really diverse cast from all walks of life, all uh, international cast, which I think was really smart in terms of the marketability of the film and probably added to the reason why it was so successful because it is such a, a diverse cast. So I think that it did a great job with that. It was huge in China. This made a ton of movie in China. That's why there's a lot of scenes, I think, that just take place in China as well. Mm -hmm. And um, our boy... Uh, Cliff Curtis is in this movie, yeah, too. Yeah, Cliff's great in it. Yeah. yeah, so we have an awesome cast. Again, Jay, uh, Jason Statham, Rain Wilson, Bing Bing Lee, Winston Chow, Ruby Rose, Paige Kennedy, Shoya Sophia Kai. Just a bunch of awesome actors, and it's it's pretty cool. Some, to... There's some great deaths. There's some great action. There's an amazing shot. It's when the Meg goes towards the one of the beaches in China, and it's swimming in the shallow end, and then you see like there's like 200 people like sitting on floaties, and then you see the Meg underneath them, and they start panicking. It's just so massive compared to the people. It's great use of scale. Yeah, this movie, it's cheesy, terrible, whatever you want to say, but they, it's on purpose. You know, this is one of those movies where it's just going to be a popcorn flick. We're going to just not take ourselves too seriously. We're going to have some fun. We're going to shoot some crazy stuff, some wild CGI. There's a... 100-foot-long shark, Jason Statham's going at it one-on-one, -on -one. let's yeah. go. Yeah, it's all you need. It's fun. Let's just have a good time, yeah. you know? You don't have to over Shut the it. brain off. Yeah, it's great. And the cool thing about it, though, also, is Jason Statham did almost all of his own water stunts as well because he's actually an expert swimmer. He was a, a, he was a diver for England in the 1990 Commonwealth Games. He never made the Olympics, but he was very good. Mm-hmm. He probably that's probably one of their draws to this movie for him for sure. Like being in because you would never think like Jason Statham like a diver. You just think you think mixed martial arts or something like yeah. that. He does some mixed martial arts on the shark though. Oh, dude, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Check it out, guys. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, and then the final film we'll just talk about briefly. It's Sharknado came out in 2013, directed by Anthony Ferrante. When a hurricane swamps Los Angeles, nature's deadliest killer rules the sea. Land and air as thousands of sharks terrorize the waterlogged populace. I feel like people would be very upset if we didn't bring this up just for a minute to talk about because <laughs> it's the most ridiculous movie ever made probably. But it, they made, what, three of them, four of them, something like that? It's got to be more than four now. It's yeah. ridiculous. You know, it's it's a tornado of sharks coming. Three tornadoes. And there's people shooting at it with guns. There's a guy with a chainsaw. It's, it's yeah. wild. It's, it's insane. It's horrible CGI. It's like terrible acting, terrible storylines. And, and it's a hurricane taking place in L.A., which is n unheard of. It doesn't happen. It's just it's such a silly movie. And it's like 
the CGI is so bad and it doesn't even make sense. Like people are like shooting a, one bullet at a, a shark and it flies backwards. Like that that would not happen. A guy sh a guy slices one in half with a chainsaw. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then he like kills the last shark by like diving inside of its belly and ch chainsawing his way out of it. It's pretty insane. It's ridiculous. But um, you know, people like it and th these movies exist because it's like the room people watch them. Yeah. You know? It's it's it, people you know light a light a J and then just watch Sharknado. It's a good night. It's your famous. It's your favorite line. You like what you like. You like what you like. And I like that this episode is done because it was so much fun to talk about. We really hope you guys enjoyed this again. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button, follow us, notification bells, let us so that you know when new episodes are dropping. Become a patron today. Get all those awesome perks. Thank you so much for tuning in around the world. Appreciate you so much. Take care. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.